0: Welcome back to Military Brats Podcast.
1: We're your hosts. I'm Chloe.
0: And I'm Juliana. Today, we've got the incredible Tori McElwain, a military spouse who's turned the challenges of Army life into opportunities. She didn't just navigate the military lifestyle, she carved her own unique path through it. Stick around for an inspiring chat about resilience, reinvention, and her military spouse journey. Hi, Tori. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. We are so happy to have you on today.
2: I'm happy to be here. I'm excited.
0: Would you like to give yourself a quick introduction?
2: Sure. I'm Tori McElwain. I am a mom, a military spouse of 10 years, and a. I have a full-time job and a business. Wow. That's what I do.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, we're gonna dive more into your business in a little bit, but let's go back a little bit. How did you meet your partner?
2: I actually I met my partner in French class in college. So he he didn't want to take Spanish. He flunked out in high school and <laughs> didn't want to try to attempt in college. So and I was studying uh, I was doing my general ed and I couldn't get into the classes I needed. But my um I had a good friend who was studying abroad in France. And she had an opportunity for me to come and stay with her. So instead of um, having a light load that quarter, I took French. And that's where we
0: met.
1: We were French oh, partners from the second that. class on. We, we took French in high school. We, we liked it.
0: We liked it. But we don't really remember too much from it, honestly. So
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't remember much either.
1: Okay, so when you met your partner, was he already planning on joining the military? Was that something you already knew? Oh, okay. So that's a whole conversation.
2: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's always a funny story because I met him obviously in French class. He was a personal trainer. Um, He's seven years older than me. So, he had spent most of his 20s working full time, building up his own actual business, and then decided he wanted to go back to school to be a um, football coach and special education teacher. Oh, cool. So, we were both on the same kind of track. I was going, that was my plan, was to be a teacher, and he was going to be a teacher. And again, we met in French class. It was all very romantic. And he proposed in like, he proposed in Vegas on top of the Eiffel Tower in French. Oh. So he's very much a romantic at heart. Um, he did share before that he had a dream when he was in high school of joining the Marines. But that was the only hint I had until two weeks after we got married.
0: Oh, my. That, that's surprising. That's a shock.
2: It was. It was. It truly was. Because I had, I'm I'm someone who likes a plan, right? right? Like, I like to have my plan. So I didn't have, like, a detailed plan of my life. But I had a general, like, outline. I was expected to go to college. So that's what I did. I was the first in my um my family to go to college and graduate. And I was going to be a teacher. And that was it. That's my plan. And then during college, like I said, he was older, he graduated. um, The same year we got married, actually, he graduated. And then we got married. So he graduated in like spring, I think. And then by the fall, he was shipped off to basic training. So this all happened within the span of a couple of months, where I'm still in college. Um, I haven't got my bachelor's yet. I had another year yeah, you're about a half to go because I transferred school. So I had a little bit of extra time in there. But um, but yeah, it was it was not a plan. It was not something that was on my radar. <laughs> but two weeks after we got married, he sat me down. He's like, look, I I want to join the army and I want to join as an officer. And I know what you're thinking. And I don't remember what else he said because I was in shock.
1: Oh, I bet. I know that that brings me to like my next question. Like, what was your like initial reaction? Like, what were your feelings and concerns like at that time?
2: Yeah. Like I said, I was in shock when he told me, um, it turned my entire world upside down. My whole basic plan was thrown out the window. Cause you know, um, <laughs> the moving, everything that had to do with that. Uh, I couldn't continue to, to plan my life like I had before. So it was all about pivoting at that point. And I remember having a conversation with him a few weeks afterwards. And, um, I just, I had to leave. I left the house. I went to, I think Panera bread, so where you like sit down and work, you know it was like I think it was Panera. I'm not sure though. I sat down and I literally spent an hour making a pro and a con list for my very analytical brain because my emotions were so high that I could not think straight. So we met with the recruiter and then that's what happened between those two weeks. We met with the recruiter. I got to ask my questions and then I went and sat down at Panera. <laughs> I think it was Panera. And mapped is out like do I actually want to commit to this and support him through this because this is a huge deal. And he really he did a great job of letting me know that if I was truly, truly against it, that he wouldn't do it, which was really good, I think, for our relationship. But I did want to support him and that was one of the, the pros was I'd be supporting his dream, whereas I could still work on mine. Um so we did end up obviously saying yes and um and he got shipped off to basic training in October. So we got married in May and he was shipped off in October.
1: Oh, wow. You finished college, right? I
2: did. I did. While well, he was in, um, yeah, basic. And then uh, he he went through OCS and then I Bullock, And I joined him in I Bullock. So while he was finishing up his training, I was finishing up my degree.
1: I can't imagine that happening because I'm very similar like that to him I'm such a planner. And I feel like that would have been such a whirlwind to just have everything like turned upside down. Yeah.
0: How how was that experience for you while he was at basic training? How did you kind of cope with that while he was gone? I
2: kept myself busy. I mean, I was earning my my degree. I was learning how to train a dog who is still here. She is now 13 years old and she has gone through every move, every TDY every deployment um which we've only had one deployment but uh she's been here with me so I had to learn how to train her cuz she's German shepherd and akita so she's very stubborn um so she was like my focus she was the person i took care of not person but she was like my fur baby for like 5 years before i had my kid and she was like my world to really focus on and care for and then my schooling i tried to finish my bachelor so i can get um move in with him as fast as i could
1: yeah it sounds like a lot of like good, healthy distractions. Can you share a little bit more about like your initial experiences, like adjusting to the new military lifestyle?
2: Yeah. So I moved in with him with a one bedroom apartment in Georgia, right? We lived off post and I didn't have the military community right next door exactly. So I was very isolated. We had one car. Um, so my initial experience was very isolating. It was very lonely, um, but I did reach out as much as I could with my limited mobility to see what other spouses were doing. And there was a class. It was a class on being an FRG leader, which at the time I had no idea what that was. And so I jumped into that and I actually made a few friends that I'm still friends with them now. Like I was looking to see if we we're still kind of in contact. And one of them were actually going to be working together on our separate businesses, which I thought was really cool. But, oh, wow. um, that's
0: exciting.
2: Yeah. That was a good group of ladies. Um, but they were, again, they were older. Cause my husband was older. He was going through OCS and I Bullock. And, um, so I was, I didn't mention this, but I was only 22 when he joined and he was 27 or 28. He's borderline. <laughs> he turned 28. Um, So they were all older spouses as well. They had kids, they had mortgages, they had um, so much more experience than I had. And I didn't have a lot of talking points. I didn't have kids. I had a dog, Mm -hmm. which was something, but it was very, it was very isolating. We didn't have much to talk to them about. I'm a complete introvert. So it was very intimidating, but it was something to get me out and into the military world. And then acronyms was the other thing that was crazy. I didn't understand what everybody was talking about. Now like you can go to your local MWR and find that out. And I'm like, what what is an at what? And I'm like dyslexic. So when they just go with the acronyms, I'm like, what what? What was what that? What you saying? <laughs> and of course I was so shy. I was just like, okay. And then I have to go and like Google it and see what they were talking about. I was too shy to like ask.
1: Yeah, just nodding along, like, okay.
2: Sure, yeah. I'll do that. <laughs>
1: Were there any other unexpected challenges you faced that you like were able to overcome?
2: There were a lot. I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, I thought, like I said initially, that I could continue to work on a teaching degree and just teach in different states. And that ended up being more of a pipe dream. Um, where as I became a teacher, I was certified in our first duty station in Texas. And then we moved to Another we moved to South Carolina for just seven months, so I couldn't teach there. There wasn't no way for me to get in my front door. And then we moved to Arizona, and the pay for teachers when we moved there, and we had just had our first child. so the pay for teachers there, and daycare cost almost balanced out, where I would be taking home like 800 dollars a month. It was insane. So, and that's when my business really kicked off was when I was there because the cost of living was a little bit lower. So I could try to build up my business, which was starting Mm -hmm. to make some money. And, um, but I couldn't pursue teaching because of the cost of daycare versus what a teacher costs or gets paid. And then Mm -hmm. again, when we moved here where we are now in Detroit, the cost of living is much higher. And my son, um, he needs me more than what I could provide as a teacher, like that schedule and that rigidity. Um, yeah, so that was, I had to also pivot there. So it's been a lot of, lot of pivoting, a lot of, um, I leaned on research. I do have a, um, a knack for learning. I have a strength in learning and I love to learn. So that has been a really great thing to help me pull myself through every challenge is to dive back into research, dive into learning what I can learn and, and going with the next step forward and not looking too far ahead. Just what is the next step to get me through now?
0: Yeah, I feel like that is so important because there's so so much unknown and unexpected when it comes to the military life. So it's like you could only plan so far ahead. And if you continue to plan too far ahead, it's like you'll never get there. Like mm-hmm. there's so many like changes and last minute decisions and things like that where it's like I can really only think about the next week. And that's as and, far as I can get.
2: Yeah. And their
0: schedule. Their schedule is always
2: crazy it's never consistent.
1: Never. You mentioned your husband's been deployed one time. Yes. Were there any unexpected difficulties that arose during that deployment?
2: Only initially. Um, It was talked about a lot where, and I don't know if it's still a thing, but we called it the deployment curse, where as soon as they leave everything goes wrong that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And it usually comes in threes. And it was very true for me when he deployed, I had the, our dog, she ripped a nail out and bled everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And then of course she's a dog. So she's like trying to get the bandage off. So it was bleeding again and again, and it got like infected. And like big thing with our poor dog. And again, I didn't have kids yet. So like, she was like my baby. So I was like, Oh no, my dog. And then, of course, that happened. And then my washer and dryer broke at the same time. This all happened within the span of like three weeks. It's like every week there was something. And then the last one was the car. And I can't remember. I think it was like an alter, um, alterator, if I remember right. It was something that stopped it from starting. So I had to figure out how to get the broken car to the mechanic to get it fixed without having another person there.
1: Oh, my God. That is That's awful. So that,
2: Yeah, that was, that was the worst. And that was just in the first month he was gone. So after that though, I was really busy and, um, it was mostly smooth sailing. He had a few rough patches there that were really worrisome, but communication was okay. We had constant phone calls. He could call me almost every day with a few exceptions, um, where he was out for a while and he wasn't able to talk for a little bit, but for the most part over those nine months, um, we were able to keep in contact pretty well. And I really focused on, care packages like i send him a care package every month and i was that was my focus for him was just to find fun things to send that wouldn't like melt you know in the heat or like spoil while they travel to afghanistan and like so that was fun cereal by the way if anybody's wondering um cereal is a great thing to share in in a care package
1: so we're gonna move on to like the moving and transitions so you did mention it a little bit but just to reiterate how many times have you relocated and where So I've
2: relocated five times. I actually did the math just for you guys. Five times. But we did move our stuff eight times. Where did you move it to? So initially, it was really up in the air how we lived those first few years because he was in different trainings, different, um, you know, whether I could be with him or not. So we moved five times that first year and just our stuff mostly. But like we were still like in California where we met. That's where we started. And then I drove my little four door sedan, like Ford Mercury, if you want to look that up, a Ford Mercury with me and my dog, um, all the way from California to Georgia. And then I had to go back to get all our stuff when the paperwork went through and they were able to actually get it shipped by the military. (laughs) So there was all of that because I had to move from the house, to the storage unit, storage unit to my mom's like extra garage space and then back to a storage unit so that the military could come and get it and then back to Georgia. Like it was insane.
0: Yeah, that's like that's the biggest hassle ever, especially when you're going from California to Georgia. Holy cow
2: grandma and my grandpa were telling me like what I could do to pack in this little car and they're like lay your clothes out flat don't bother with suitcases just lay them out flat in the back of the car so I did that I would laid out all the, like the towels sheets like the things that you would want to bring but not necessarily buy when you get there and then like jackets like some of the more bulky stuff and then I put my dog's bed on top of that so that's where she wrote <laughs>
1: You had a whole setup. I love that. That's actually really smart. How do you handle those frequent moves associated with military life?
2: Well, we have a system down now. Um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big planner. So like when we're looking to move, I always look at the new house I, and we've never, we bought a few, we bought houses twice and we usually rented before that. And I always knew where we were going at least before we left. I We always had a house or something lined up so we knew where we were going. So I would always pre-plan what needed to be out, I have a first night box, which was like one of those big wardrobe boxes and I always put sheets, towels, toilet paper. For anybody listening, throw toilet paper in there. Paper towels, paper plates. So you can order pizza when you get there. Um, anything for a baby. Oh my gosh. Because both times we moved, the last two moves, we had a baby. One was three months old and my daughter was two months old. So it, oh, was, wow. it was a lot. So our first night box was a huge help. But before that, it was we would start boxing things up months in advance. So we weren't at the last, cause we did a lot of do it yourself moves or like we had the military come and just do partial. So they would take the big stuff and we would pack all the little stuff. And um, so we would start packing like way in advance. We put the books in boxes. We would put decorations every time we set up decorations and put them away, we would pack them instead of just putting them away. They would be packed. And then like clothes too, for the seasons, as you get closer, the winter clothes would go in the box. So we're ready for summer and That was how we really did it was we just started packing early and then sometimes we wouldn't even unpack. Like when we went to South Carolina we were there for seven months and I don't know three quarters of our stuff I think stayed in boxes and we just labeled those what needed to be opened and what needed to stay closed when we got there and we just used our garage as a storage unit and just opened what we needed.
0: Yeah especially if you're just going to stay there for a short period of time where it's like I'm not going to get myself comfortable and settled if I'm just going to end up leaving anyways
1: do you have any tips for making a new place feel like a home quickly Mm
0: -hmm. um so
2: I I mentioned I'm a planner so wherever we're going I look at the rooms and I try my best especially for the kids set up their rooms exactly or as close to as they were previously so they feel (laughs) more at home and with babies I also had a system for nighttime where I had the sound machine going and I used essential oils, the same one every night. So wherever we went, even if we were visiting family, we were in a hotel or we were in a new house, it would smell similar. It would sound similar and it would feel similar and it helped them sleep. And with any moms that like sleep is like essential for everyone, especially for little so that was my big thing that really helped them. And then I'm a quilter. So, like, I always have this set of quilts that I would I would make a new quilt wherever we moved that was big, bright, colorful to help the house feel more like ours, no matter where we went, because, you know, Milterra has, they all have white walls, so it's like no color. So, I made, like, a rainbow-like quilt. I made, like, a, it was a blue-green-purple quilt that was really, really colorful, um, and th- I would put those in our first night box. So, right when we got there, our rooms were set up with our our homey quilts and That would be our
1: first night. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because I I think that's very crucial for children,
0: especially for like the younger kids. Like like you were saying, like your kids were like only three months old and things like that. So I can only imagine, like you know, even though they're so young, they're not very aware. But just having those familiar things to like make them more comfortable. That was really great. Yeah,
2: Yeah, they're not too aware when they're about two or three months, except for their immediate
1: you know Mm. environment,
2: and that's why I focused on that.
1: To dive into like your family dynamics just to make sure you have how many children i have two i have a boy and a girl oh you have okay i thought you said you have both boys okay oh no it's okay
2: i have a um five-year-old and a one and a half year old so the five-year-old is a boy and the one and a half year old is a girl your podcast with your mom um i listened to it a whole hour and a half of it it was amazing and it made me cry i'm not even gonna lie because like your sibling love Was just like, that's what I was hoping for my kids. Like, that's one thing that I really, I know we're getting to family dynamics. And one thing I really strive for is consistency for them and routine and who's in their life. And that was one reason why we really wanted a second child was to help him initially with consistency. But also she has been great and they have been great for each other. They love each other unconditionally. It's been amazing to watch and then hearing you guys as adults, like, Talking back on your experiences, that was, it was so heartwarming and like, I'm doing the right
0: thing, I hope. Like, (laughs) No, you are. Yes. And it's also like thinking about like, if you're an only child, especially in the military life, could you imagine how isolating that that could be? Like, you're moving every three to four years and sometimes even faster than that, you're moving around and it's like, siblings are amazing.
1: (laughs) Do you have any advice for other military spouses navigating parenthood? My main piece of advice would probably be be the rock for
2: your children. Be the consistency because he can't be, or they can't be depending on who's the spouse, yeah. but be the rock, be the consistency, the best you can and take care of yourself. Don't just take care of your kids. Cause you can't, I know it's cliche, but you really, you can't pour from an empty cup. If you are exhausted all the time and you take no time to do anything for yourself, You're not able to really provide for your kids
1: the way you need to and the way you want to. I think that's amazing advice. Figure out what you can do for you at the same time because you do get lost.
2: You do. You really do. That's what my business became for me was when I had, I was stuck in Arizona. Um, This was right before COVID hit. I had a 10 month old at that point. He was almost one. And I had no, I had no connections. I was in Fort Huachuca, really small town, um, really small post. Again, I got confused with the base and post. What is with that? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was isolating. And I, in South Carolina, we were in a major city. So I had a lot of resources. I had a lot of ways to get out there and do a few things with him that were also fun for me. But in Fort guys, there wasn't much to do at all. And then COVID hit. And then there was even less to do. So that's when I started really getting into quilting and making that like a business and like, and that's what has really helped my mental health was to have something else for me that could also help my family at the same time as, as me.
1: Right. Yeah. I love that. It's like, it's like a little escape that kind of just really panned out. We want to dive into that personal growth and how you kind of balanced your personal life with military life. So can you just elaborate one more time on how being a military spouse has impacted your career and your personal aspirations?
2: Sure. So I mentioned before I was trying to, I'm trying, I was, um, I wanted to be a teacher. So when we got to our first permanent duty station, I dived in to figure out how to become a teacher and Texas A&M currently, or then had a program where you can get your master's and your certification at the same time. So that's what I did. I got my master's and teaching certification. At the same time as teaching while he was deployed. So when I said I was busy, I was very busy while he was deployed. And that was like a huge benefit for me because it gave it the time passed so fast. But after I was there for two years and I got pregnant with my son, my last year teaching. And he was born literally the week after school got out. So it was like perfect timing.
1: Literally perfect timing. (laughs) Literally.
2: And then like three three years, three months later, we moved right? And that was when we were in South Carolina for just a few months. So no teaching there. So I was like, okay, I'll just look into Arizona. Or actually, I didn't know where we were moving, of course, until 90 days before we had to be there, right? So yeah. So those last 90 days, I was trying to figure out how to find a house. That was the first time we bought a house, sight unseen. Of course, we have never bought a house before we saw it. Like we always bought it sight unseen. Um, So that was insane. So we got there. And while I was in South Carolina before, because we're talking about career. So in South Carolina, I wanted to make some extra money because we, you know, military pays you pretty good. Like it's not, it covers your expenses, but anything that came up that was unexpected, like the car breaking, um, car, like the garage door got dented and we needed it replaced in Texas and we didn't have any money for it. Like things like that. Um, Starbucks was one thing. I used it to get out of the house. Like it wasn't just coffee. It was how I got out of the house. I go somewhere other than school and home. I got to go to Starbucks, but I couldn't afford it as a stay-at-home mom in South Carolina. Like exactly. So I was trying to find a way to make a little bit of money, um, do something creative, do something for me. And so I started making quilts. So I did like an inventory of my own skills and it was either making quilts or making cupcakes. So I tried both. I tried some cupcakes and they tasted great, but they did not look good. Like no one's going to pay for that. So they tasted great. So my husband would keep taking them to school because he was in training at that point. So he would take the cupcakes to school. And I, um, I dived into quilting. I started making baby blankets and memory quilts and selling those online. And that was really fun. I started, um, revenue started coming in. I started going to craft fairs. I started getting a little bit of money here and there, but it wasn't making, a lot, but it was still really fun. So I kept doing it for the seven months that we were there, and then when we moved to Arizona, that's when I had that choice. Like, could I go to teaching and make that extra eight hundred dollars a month, or at that point I was making I just started teaching one on one lessons, and they were paying me a hundred dollars every for two hours at a lesson mm-hmm. per person. And so I'm like, hey, let me dive into this and see if I can make that work. And he's like, okay, you have like a year, and then COVID hit. <laughs> So I moved from making quilts to teaching online. So I was teaching workshops and then I started designing quilt patterns and selling those on the side as PDFs. So it was all online. And then my local quilt shop, because I was always there buying fabric for quilts. So she was like, hey, do you want to teach here? So during the pandemic, I was opening up six person classes at my local quilt shop. So I was teaching at my local quilt shop and teaching courses online. And that was amazing until... I got pregnant the second time and I got really sick and the whole business shut down. I had to push through it because I was doing a program called block of the month, where every month you get a new block, you make it. And then at the end, you have all these squares you sew together into a big quilt. So I had to keep going on that. So doing that, I hit creative burnout really hard. And I, like, I still can't, touch fabric. It was that hard. Like I can't be creative with fabric right now. Cause it was just, it was so, so hard, but I loved the business part of it. So I shifted, I used my background in. um, so I pulled from my teacher education. My, um, I had a master's in curriculum and instruction and I found a niche in the quilting industry for teaching the teachers. So I started teaching people how to create their own workshops And then now it's blossomed to even promoting it. So I have a whole system, a whole program for how to market your courses after you make them and stuff like that. Um, but it's, that has been an amazing journey of being able to create my own path from that background. I feel like every step has led me to this and it also allowed me to get my full-time job. Like I mentioned, I'm also working full-time because when we moved here, Detroit, the, um, The cost of living is much higher than Arizona where we were previously. So I did have to get a full-time job while I build up this side business. But even then my corporate job, there's a cap. I cannot make over a certain amount, which is just covering everything we need. So I still have that business where it's, it's amazing because I get to work in my strengths. I get to work with quilters. It's been really fun and it's all online. So I can take it wherever we go. So even when I have to quit this job and move, I still have my business supporting us wherever we go. And it's been
1: Amazing. Oh my god, that is amazing. I we were looking at your Instagram and we were like, these quilts look so cool. They're yeah, they're really cool. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and you know what? I think that just speaks so much on your adaptability, the fact that you're able to take kind of like the best of both worlds, like teaching and your quilting business, and kind of combine the two. And it also is just so amazing that you know you found something that can continue to grow with you as you make your moves like you still have that one consistency and I think that's so important
2: exactly oh and I didn't share what I do for my day job I'm also a corporate trainer so I'm still teaching (laughs) I just teach adults now
1: very impressive and I hope Um, like people listening can resonate with that and they can like see like there's even though it's not like the direct route you wanted to take there's so many alternatives to kind of get you where you want to be so I think that's really important to know Exactly. You can make your own path. If you can't find one that fits you, you can make your own. So we know support systems are very, very important in the military community. Can you tell us about the importance of having a support system for you? Yes.
2: (laughs) I did not have one um, for so long. Um, And we it's been really interesting because like I had my family in California and then I moved to Georgia again, isolated, didn't know anybody. And then When we moved to Arizona and I started my business, that's where I found friends. I was able to get, again, the quilt shop that I was a part of, or I wasn't really officially a part of them, but she, the owner was young like me, which is unusual in the quilt community. The quilt community usually has, um, 55 and older quilters. Um, there's, there's growing in the quilt community of, of younger generations, but for the most part, it's 55 and older. So she was a younger quilt shop owner and she kind of brought me in to be her friend and kind of adopted me. Cause again, total introvert and she wasn't. (laughs) So she's like an extrovert adopting an introvert. And she really became a huge support system for me. I really relied on her and her staff. Like they were amazing people. They were super nice. And again, this was during COVID. So we were told, especially with little kids to keep them Isolated, especially in the beginning, where we didn't know how it was spreading. It was like, don't talk to anybody, don't let your little kids buy them, because the little kids are dying. And we we're like, oh my god. Of course, that's not exactly what was happening, but at the time, that was the news we were getting. So I was building a community. I had started my own informal play group, and for, I literally called it the informal play group because it was a formal one, but you had to get shots, and I'm. And I wasn't, I'm not against vaccines. It was just the flu shot. Like they insisted that you had the seasonal flu shot and he had a weird reaction to the flu shot. So that was the only one I was kind of like, eh. um, he it got better when he called her just saying, but at that point I made my own play group because I was lonely and my kid needed friends. So I made an informal play group. We met twice a week. And then we went to the library every other day. And then at his nap time was when I worked. I was really lucky to have a kid that liked nap time. He would sleep for like two and a half hours almost every day. And it was amazing. And then he stopped napping when he was like two and a half. So I feel like he used up all of his nap time when he was like two. But anyway, so I had a community. COVID hit. Had to close everything down. And it, really, it was really a dark time for me. And not having any support. And then I had the quilt shop open and I had one friend who had two kids. So I really leaned on her. She leaned on me and we got through it. We got through it. Now, the big difference that I really noticed was when we moved where we currently are. You know, the military is a small world. We got stationed here and my husband's best friend is literally eight houses down. And we did not plan that. And then he has another really good friend who he met in like a basic training, OCS and Ibullet. They went through the three trainings together and he lives 15 minutes away. And then my son is finally old enough to go to kindergarten. And this area's parent, teacher, everything, they're super involved. So we finally have a village. We have two best friends who are amazing. They both have families. We have a school system that is really supportive for our son and we have a daycare's Really good for our daughter. Like she seems to really enjoy it. She's like a little celebrity. You walk her in, they're like, Hi, hi. And she's just like, Hi. And she's like holding my hand, you know, she's just like, you know, and it's just like, Okay, okay. But it's been amazing night and day to having this community, this support system around our family where we didn't have one before. We couldn't go on date nights. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't. Doing like my business, like the reason I can have two jobs and really help because you know, in the military, we can't make any more money. My corporate job, I can't make any more money, but we need a little more to help us save up for when he eventually gets out, which he's looking at over the next couple of years. So that is why I have the second job and why I'm well, that's really why I have the full time job, let's be honest. (laughs) The second job I'd love to do full time, which I'm almost there. So we'll see. But it's been night and day to have that support, that community, that village built around here. We've never had that before. And it's so much easier to have a village.
0: It is so much easier. And I, yeah, I feel like that's kind of like how military life goes. It's either like you're very, you feel very isolated and you don't have that big of a support system except for, you know, your partner, but it's like, they're also gone so many times and they can only help me so much. It's a lot to put on them. Like it, Yeah, it really is. Uh, Some of the spouses that I've talked to,
2: especially when they're newer, I always encourage them to try new things. Try new groups and get local, get involved in your local community, not just the spouses community, but in the local one, because you can also find people there. It doesn't just have to be military official affiliated. I think
0: that's great advice.
1: So we're going to move on to, I guess, looking ahead at what the future holds. So what are your hopes and aspirations for the future, both personally and as a military spouse?
2: That's such a funny question because I am so trained not to look ahead at least not more than like a couple of years. Like we talked about a little bit earlier. I, when people ask me what my, okay. So I'm in the business realm at this point. I'm in a, um, I'm in, in these circles where they're asking, what is your five-year plan? What is your 10-year plan? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing in two years. So my two-year plan <laughs> is, and then like, I would reiterate that, but I, I have a hard time picturing the future because he is looking at getting out in the next couple of years. And it's all up in the air. We want, I think we want to stay here because of the village that we've built. Like I mentioned, this is the one place where we've really felt like home since being home. And really, I would love to quit my job and really work my business because that's where my heart is. And that is where The people they need me. Like my corporate job doesn't need me. I'm there to fill a role, and that is that. And it's filling a need our family needs right now. And I'm happy to be there for both parties and fill the role, and get the check. But my business, where I'm helping quilters, I'm helping women who are trapped in a house like I was, and they they need someone there because they're like MLMs are preying on these stay at home moms, and they can they have these skills, they have these crafts they have, they have some, okay, sorry. I'm like, ah. no, no, you're good. You're passionate about it. They, they have the skills and they have the passion. They have, they have it to do more than just join the MLM to get out of their house. Like they could make a real living that they could take with them wherever they go or those that, cause you know, I mentioned I'm a quilter. The, the demographic is 55 and older. They have a set income they are retired. They don't have, they have no means of getting more income as like everything rises. So they, a lot of them are looking at teaching online and looking at bringing a business into their space and really teaching the skills they've developed over 50 years. And they're not charging it and they're not, they don't know how to navigate the online world and the digital marketing world to where they can get students in the door. And that's where I'm kind of coming in and being like, Hey, I can show you how to do it. Um, let me help you laying it out for them like this is what you can do and this is what you can charge because you have a skill that nobody has. I'm getting really like excited about it. But like that, that's where I'm kind of that's where my passion is is to help them realize their own worth. Yeah. And there, there is a resource though. Um I wanted to share it and I don't want to forget to share it. But it was I just joined well I joined them a while back but I like rejoined. Um so they're called association of military spouse entrepreneurs the ceo is moni she's a military spouse of like umpteenth years and she started this business to help military spouses so if there's anybody out there who's really looking for resources on how to do what i do that's a great place to start it's called amse the association of military spouse entrepreneurs and she is absolutely amazing she has tiered programs so you can start free and then build it from there
1: Oh, amazing. Oh, that is, that's an amazing resources. So, Yeah, we'll definitely link that to, to the video. Before we move on to our, our lighthearted questions, we wanted to ask, was there any final advice or words of encouragement you had for other military spouses listening? I
2: thought about this a lot and I kept, I had so many things. so I am trying to narrowing it down. One thing I do want to say that's really stuck with me. About resilience and building resilience is the lack, mm, it's building confidence. You have to build confidence along with it. And the only way to build confidence is to do the thing, whatever it is. You will be scared until you do it. So do the thing, do it in fear, do it bravely, and it will get easier each and every time. And you will build that confidence.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a really good one. Oh my God. I think people are really going to resonate with that because it's very mm-hmm. intimidating, like trying new things. Okay,
0: yeah, let's go ahead and jump
1: into the lighthearted questions. Um, if you were
0: to create a survival kit for a new military spouse, what are three non-traditional items you would include?
2: Okay, so the first one is hard house shoes, Ooh. so that if you trip over boots, it doesn't hurt. That's a good one. Have all
0: done that? Yes.
2: <laughs> the second one is an espresso machine, so Ooh. that if you can't afford Starbucks, you can still get your espresso. The last one is a vernacular guide for terms for the military. <laughs> oh
0: acronyms. my gosh, that's hilarious.
1: <laughs> our last one was, what's one tradition you have that always brings a smile to your face? We like to
2: kick off all our holidays with movies. Um, so no matter if we get to celebrate on the day or not, it's always around a movie. So it always helps set the the mood. Um, one in particular is um, we kick off Christmas with Love Actually. That's our kickoff Christmas movie. It's
1: very sweet. I don't, I don't think I've seen that one either. I'm going to add that to my list. Yeah, same here. I'll have to watch that one. <laughs> I think that yeah. wraps up our questions. Before we let you go, was there anything else you wanted to add? Well, I mean, I love what you guys are doing. I do want to add that. Because like
2: I mentioned, when we, I joined 10 years ago, or I shouldn't say I joined. We joined. He joined. Narrow that down. He joined 10 years ago. Um, there was nothing for me. Like there was that class and that was it. It was just like here is something and then nothing. So I think that adding your podcast along with some of the other things that are happening in the military space is gonna be really powerful. It's gonna help military children and spouses. So I hope they they take the time to listen to it.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. As always, we hope you like today's episode. Make sure you follow us on all podcast platforms.
1: And if you have any topics, suggestions, or questions, DM us on Instagram at militarybratspodcast with your inquiries. Thank you so much. See you next Wednesday. Bye. Thank
0: you.